Food History Nerds. I'm Celine Roberts, and you're listening to 5 Minutes in Food History. We're back with part two of our series on absinthe with bartender Cecil Usher to guide us. The mystery shrouding this jade-colored spirit has fascinated drinkers for hundreds of years. This fascination has inspired imitation, often with subpar ingredients leading to the dangerous reputation absinthe has today. Here's Cecil Usher bringing us up to date on absinthe then and now. So it's catching on, and all things that are popular, uh, the next thing that happens is they get bootlegged. People start making cheaper versions, knockoff versions, things that aren't really safe or legal. The market's saturated now. There was a big disaster in the vineyards of Europe, Plexera. A little bug destroyed 80%, I believe, of all vines throughout Europe. So now there was no more cognac, no more wine. People still like to get drunk, so absinthe took off, and it became the most popular thing. Everybody was doing it. Artists were doing it, so common people were doing it. They built these temples and houses where you'd get a big fountain. They would give you the bottle, and you pay, and you just pour. It's high proof. You're drinking something that's 160 proof all day long. You're going to not feel too good. There's going to be some problems. Alcohol causes people to fight already. I've seen people fight over cases of natty ice. Drinking something that's 160 proof, it's going to cause some rage issues, I'm sure. And then a lot of the fake absinthe that was also available was industrial liquid. Yeah, it had a really nasty reputation in the States until, I would say, even five years ago. Yeah, and this is the part where people know about is this bad part of it was destroying people. There was this craze. Partly it was propaganda by the wineries and the cognac producers They were all in the king's favor. They all had these big palaces. They were all rich and well-to-do. But nobody wants to drink their stuff anymore. Everybody likes this new kid on the block. Everybody likes this new crude thing that makes people black out and people aren't going to work. So they started smearing campaigns. There was definitely a couple instances where the fake absinthe, it would eat at people's brains. Drinking an industrial liquid would literally rot at their cerebral cortex. And there was a couple murders, and there were people robbing places, and they used these examples as, this all is bad. So it became a big ban across Europe, including the United States also banned it. Up north, the Swiss, they actually got rid of the green elements of it. Swiss absence is clear. And they would just use it as a way to keep selling it. French is called vert, green. And all that was illegal. Epson was originally legal by name, then by the Mount Thurjan in it. So that's where we're at now. You cannot consume a beverage over a certain amount, parts per million recipe of it. Uh, an American chemist living in France loved the stories, kind of fell in love with the idea, found no recipe, tested it out, ended up finding out that by the legal definition, most original absences never had that much Thurjan in it in the first place. So he took that, reproduced it, and released it. And that was in 2005. And that was Lucid. Lucid was one of the first mass-produced absences modern day. And people kind of, you know, wasn't sure what it is, didn't really get it. Um, I think a lot more international travels helped expand that. People like putting on shows for Americans when you go to different places. So they, that's where the whole fire cube thing started. That's not actually part of that process. 
Can uh, you explain that process? The idea is to slowly drip water over a sugar cube on these beautiful spoons, slotted spoons, um, into these beautiful crystal glasses so that drop by drop you're releasing a different flavor, they would say. So it's kind of like opening up um, whiskey with water, the same kind of idea you're opening up flavor by flavor. So they want to do it very slow, very seductively. This is where the whole idea of, like, you know, the lady, the green fairy comes in. Because as this process happens, with cold water, there's an interaction with the green elements in the absinthe that causes it to become a milky, opaque color. And the French call that the luge. So you literally watch it change in front of you, and it kind of, like, looks like a smoke plume kind of going through very seductively. So in Europe, in the 90s, early 2000s, to keep adding to this mystifying thing, they would just light the sugar cube on fire and have these, like, blazes going on. And it kind of, like, draws your attention. It would draw uh, the attention of everybody around you. Uh, it's a good way to sell. People love fire, especially drunk people. <laughs> came an experience, and then people came back and had these ideas, you know. Oh, man, I was in Prague, and I had this 180-proof absence. This is the real stuff. What we have here is not. It is. The only difference is that we have proof laws. You can't go above 151. Beyond that, that's the only difference. And ours is government regulated. We're up there. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, who knows where it's from? Who knows? Who like, knows what you're actually drinking? Yeah, exactly. Who knows Yeah, what it is? There is no difference. It is all legal as long as it has under that amount of Thurjan. Um, so there is real absence in America. You can drink real absence here. For five more minutes in food history, visit www.pghcitypaper.com or subscribe to City Paper Podcasts on iTunes. Go to our archives to hear part one of our series on absinthe or listen to episodes on topics like the history of bitters. We'll check up with you soon, but until then, go make some history of your own.